0: Father heaven, thank you again for another day you blessed us with. Thank you for the Christmas season, the reminder that we have your son coming to earth. Remind reminder again in the Sunday school that your opportunity is open to all who would accept. Bless Lauren as he leads out today. Give him words to speak and of those who are worshiping elsewhere that you would bless their time as well. We ask this in your name. Amen. each one in Jesus' precious name this morning and welcome you to our time of worship here today. Um, before I get into the message, I just want to take this time to thank those of you who have shared with us um, over the last few weeks, um, especially the youth group. You, your gifts to um, us and the children meant a lot. We really appreciated that. And there's others of you that have shared as well. They, they definitely meant a lot to us and uh, we are very, very grateful for your gifts. <clears throat> you know, yesterday was Christmas Day, a day that, as believers in Christ, is very special to us. It's celebrating the birth of Jesus as He started His time here on Earth. We are reminded that you know each year as we um, remember that we go through Christmas time, and I hope that we never forget the reason for Christmas. This morning, before I get into the message, I just want to take time to read the story of Christ's birth again. I'll be reading from Matthew and Luke both, and as I read this story, I just want you to imagine the thoughts and emotions that these characters in this story struggled with. You know, there was probably times of fear, there was probably times of joy and rejoicing, and, you know, as I thought about these uh, people in this story again. You know, imagine if Mary and Joseph were a part of our church family. You know, they were, Mary was, you know, someone's daughter. She was a part of a community, Joseph as well. You know, imagine if you were in their shoes. How would you have responded if you were Joseph to the news that Mary shared with him? Would we have believed the story of the shepherds? You know, somebody recently. Re- here, at church was talking about how shepherds were the lowly people in their society, and they weren't very trustworthy at times. Why did God choose shepherds, people that were known as not trustworthy, to share the story? And I thought about that, like, you know, God sending Jesus um, to a poor peasant family shared the story with shepherds who were not trustworthy you know, God didn't send his son to a beautiful palace and a great and famous family. You know, God started at a very simple way. And I think that shows us the power of the story of Jesus, the power of Jesus in his life. You know, that here we are 10, 000, sorry, 2,000 years later, and we still are celebrating his birth. The impact of Jesus is far-reaching, not only in religious circles, but in all of society. I was listening to... Um, Two men discussing recently how, in, even in the arts and things, Jesus is everywhere. Jesus, in most famous artists, is painted by them at some point in time. Most famous singers have sung Christian songs at some point in time. He is everywhere. Even our dates, our calendars, center around the life of Jesus. Even though he started as out in a young peasant family's home. And also think about it from Jesus' point of view. And the verses that came to mind as I thought about that was Philippians 2, 6 and 7. It says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of his servant, and was made in the likeness of men. You know, Jesus, as the Son of God, was willing to give up his home and glory with his Heavenly Father and come to dwell among us. <clears throat> he did that so that we might have life. You know, that is so, so such a contrast to the message that is predominant in our culture. know, in our culture today, we want our own freedoms. We want our own rights. We want my choice, what I want to do. You know, if, if it doesn't improve my life, I get rid of it. And that is the message we are told today by our culture. But we need to look to Jesus, for example, You know, if we focus on ourselves and fail to follow the example of Christ, imagine the difference in the world today if Jesus would have lived this way. So I'm going to start reading. Um, First of all, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 18 to 25. Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled that which spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So now I'm gonna turn to Luke two and we'll be reading verses one through 20. And this goes a little bit more into depth of the actual birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Okay, and just for a few more verses about the wise men, let's turn to Matthew 2, and then read verses 1 through 12. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judea art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time that Star should appear. Star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when they had found him when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So it was just good to read over these uh, passages again and see the way that God worked in each one of these people's lives to bring about the plan that he had for mankind. And the thing that struck me as I read this was each of these people was willing to allow God to work in their lives. You know, As I was thinking about trying to imagine how it was for some of these people, I was thinking of the shepherds, you know, nowadays we don't go out in the field and herd our flocks like they did back then, but maybe, maybe some of you hunters could identify with this. Just imagine you were out in the dark tracking your deer or something, and also, you know, out of the blue there's this bright light and these angels talking to you. Like, what would you do? Like, you know, that would be quite an amazing experience. And yet they, you know, after this experience, they didn't just stay there, they ran and looked for this child And then not only did they go, look, they spread the message of Jesus. They told everybody they met about this. And so I was just, um, as I was thinking about this and thinking about Christmas and what it means, you know, one thing that really stood out to me this year, I guess more specifically than, than other years maybe, is the gift of life that God gave to us. You know, we give a lot of gifts over Christmas. We give and receive gifts but to us you know the big the biggest and best gift was a gift of life from from god and he did that by sending jesus to us as a baby you know why and i also like to consider like why was this necessary why did jesus have to come to this earth why did god do this what was the purpose that god had in mind for sending jesus to this earth you know why was he willing to send his only son to This sinful earth to ultimately be crucified by his own people. And if I just want to think back to Genesis a little bit, you know, we see God had created life. He had filled the earth with goodness, life, and light. He had created all these amazing galaxies and universes. He created all the beautiful things, you know, from the largest, most magnificent creatures to the smallest, most intricate detail of creation. God had filled the earth with life, and it was good. It was full of the goodness of God. It was full of life. But Satan had other plans, and he brought sin, death, and darkness to the world. Satan placed the seed of mistrust, of distrust of God in the mind of Eve, and she started to question the goodness of God. Did God really have her good in mind? And so she chose to go against the instructions of God. You know, as I heard a brother say recently, selfishness ruins the good things of God. You know, when I focus on myself and my wants and I forget to look at the big picture, it ruins the beauty of God's plan. And here we see that happen in Eve's life. She wanted more. She wasn't satisfied with the life God had blessed her with. You know, in her dissatisfaction, she tried to get more for herself. But the result was that she lost all that she had. In Matthew six twenty four and 25, Jesus said, so Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after, come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my name's sake shall find it. You know, when we are selfish and only think about what we want in the here and now, we give into temptation and make poor choices. And so the reason for Jesus coming to the world is to restore the life that was lost, um, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth and so I just want to look um, at a few points on that Jesus the life the gift of life and uh, for a scripture reading I want to turn to a very familiar passage which is John 3 I'll be reading verses 13 through 17 John 313 through17. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You know, because of God's great love for us, He sent Jesus into the world. And here, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and He describing a scene to help Nicodemus understand the plight of humanity. As He reminded him, He reminded Nicodemus of the Israelites as they were escaping from the land of Egypt, and they journeyed to the land that God had promised them. And as they were going, they, they asked God to deliver them from a people, and he did. He helped them win a battle. And yet, after they won that battle, they started to grumble and complain against God and against Moses. And so as a punishment, God sent many poisonous snakes amongst them, and the people started to die So as they cried out to God for healing, God instructed Moses to build a brass serpent and to put it up on a pole. And then anyone who looked on that serpent was healed from their snake bites. You know, we, like the Israelites, have been affected with the poison of sin. As Scripture tells us, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, there's no exceptions in that verse. It says all of us have sinned and this is the result of Adam and Eve committing sin in the garden, and we are descendants of them, and the sin nature has been passed down to us. But thankfully God doesn't let us in this state. You know, Just as he provided healing for the children of Israel, he has made it possible for us to be free from the bondage of sin. Jesus came to pay the price for our sins, and he came as a baby to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem so that he could live among us and demonstrate to us what a life Of sin would look like. He taught us by his words, his and his examples, and then he would die on the cross through crucifixion to pay the ransom for our sins. As I thought about that word ransom, you know, there's a recent incident that many of us probably comes to mind when we think about a ransom. You know, we think about the hostages that were held and kidnapped in Haiti. You know, just as they were held captive there for multiple months. So we are held captive by the sin in our lives, you know. And when Jesus came, He made a way of escape for us. And so, we ignore that escape. If we ignore the escape that Jesus has given us, we would be like the hostages in Haiti, ignoring the door that would let you through the wall, let you go to freedom. And so, we need to go through the door of Jesus. Jesus tells us in John fourteen six, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, we can't gain freedom on our own strength and merits. You know, that's the story where the story of the hostages in our story um, goes separate ways because they did escape. They, they found a way to freedom. But we, to get free from sin, we have to go through the door of Jesus Christ. You know, we cannot be good enough on our own. We cannot do enough on our own. And we can't say enough on our own to, to receive life. It doesn't matter how good of a life we've lived, you know, if we faithfully went to church, how many good things we've done in our community, Jesus is the way to life, not our own our own works. You know, we need to come to Jesus and repent of the wickedness in our life. We need to believe, we need to look on Jesus for our salvation. You know, as the children of Israel needed to look up to that serpent on the, the pole, so we must look on Jesus. He is the antidote for our sin. And as I think about our eyes being fixed on Jesus, my mind goes to another example in Scripture of someone who looked to Jesus to save them. And that was the Apostle Peter. You know, as he saw Jesus coming across the water, um, he looked to him in their distress. You know, the storm was blowing around them. And he called out to Jesus and said, Is, you know, If it's you, Jesus, tell, tell me to come. And so Peter gets out of the boat and walks through Jesus. You know, and as he was walking on that stormy sea, it didn't matter how dark and chaotic it was around him. He was doing the impossible because he was focused on Jesus, his Lord. But we also remember what happened to Peter as his focus shifted away from Jesus to the storm that was raging around him. He started to sink into the, into the water. And so that's a good example for us of what happens when we take our eyes off Jesus, our salvation, our salvation. It's a powerful lesson for us to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ who will sustain us. You know, he will save us from the storms that rage around us. And then just in verse 17, there also, just, you know, that's a blessing that God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He didn't send Jesus to condemn mankind. You know, he could have, after mankind walked away from him, he could have condemned all men to eternal death, but he did not send Jesus to condemn us, but to save us. And so we as believers in Christ are to follow that example, and not to condemn the world, but we are to show them life. You know, believers to model the principles of the kingdom of heaven so that God is glorified, and those who don't believe in Christ desire to become a part of the kingdom of God. This is how we change our world and our communities for the better. For a few more scriptures, I'd like to read um, John six thirty-two 32-40. And I just want to look at how not only does Jesus bring and give us life, but he also sustains life. John six thirty-two 32-40. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you that true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. But I I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I am come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which sent me, that of all that which, which he hath given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up again at that last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. So here we see that not only is Jesus coming to this earth to give us life, but he is going to sustain life. He says, I am the bread of life, and whosoever cometh to me will never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. If we desire life to be filled with contentment and purpose, Jesus is the answer to that. You know, in my, my own life, you know, I've experienced some of the most peaceful moments of my life facing some of the biggest mountains in my life. And, you know, this isn't because of my own doings, but it's because of what Jesus does for, for me and i am grateful for that you know he sustains us even though some days the days may look tough and hard he's there for us you know if we allow him to work in our lives he will do exceedingly abundantly all the, above all that we can ask or think he provides for our needs you know he will he doesn't give us you know just our spiritual needs but he also sustains us physically and i like the part there it says we will never hunger and thirst again You know, how long we'll be satisfied? A week? A month? You know, a year? Five years? Ten years? He says we'll never thirst again. We will be satisfied for eternity. You know, that's a promise from Jesus, and we can rely on the promises of Jesus. We can know and trust that if Jesus promised it, it will be fulfilled. So, just a challenge, you know, if you feel like you lack something in your life today, maybe you need to fill your heart with Jesus and what He has for you. If we would do that, we will be satisfied. And also just want to turn to first John five verses eleven to thirteen for a few more verses. First John five, eleven through thirteen. And this is the record that God hath given us to us eternal life, and this life is in, in his son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So here Jesus did not only come to give us life here on earth, but he gave us eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know, He gave us life for all eternity. If we allow Christ to be Lord of our life, we can rejoice in the fact that we no longer need to face the curse of death that was brought into the world through the fall back in the garden of Eden. We can experience that through Jesus Christ. You know, in verse 12 we see there are only two choices. We can choose life through Christ or death if we choose not to accept what he offers. Romans 6:23 tells us the wages of sin is death. You know, Adam and Eve made that choice and they chose death. God could have left the world in that state; He could have left us suffer the consequences of that choice. But God's love is greater than that, you know. As the last part of Romans six twenty three says, "But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord." God has given us the opportunity to come back to Him, and experience life for eternity. As I thought about that, I thought of you know just kind of an example I made made up. It says. You know, imagine for a moment that you had a dear friend that had committed a serious crime. Your friend was now in prison and facing the death sentence. You would go to the one who the crime had been committed against, and also the judge, and you would take on the responsibility for the crime. You would make restitution and absolve your friend of any guilt. Your friend would be free to go, no longer guilty of the crime, but he doesn't accept and instead continues to live in his prison cell and ultimately dies for the crime. You know, we'd be astounded if our friend did that to us. We would be shocked if he would not accept the offer of freedom. But that's what we do when we don't accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers a, Offers to us. And we, like Esau, choose a bowl of porridge and give up our birthright. We choose the fleeting things of the world over eternal life. So in closing this morning, you know, there's just a few thoughts I wanted to share. And I'm this morning, I'm great... My heart is filled with gratitude for the gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ and I'm grateful that Jesus has made a way that all people have the opportunity to be part of his family you know God didn't give up on humanity when they walked away from him but he calls each one of us to join his kingdom I'm grateful for God's willingness to open his arms to a sinner like me and that he continues to work in my life despite my failures I'm grateful that Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth and invites us to be part of it. We can be a part of an eternal kingdom, and someday we can join our Lord in the glory of our eternal home. And also, you know, if there's someone here this morning who has not experienced the joy of accepting life in Christ, I urge you to accept that gift today. You know, if we turn away from that gift Today we repeat repeat the mistake that Eve made so many years ago. We fall for the lie of Satan that there is more to life if we listen to him instead of following the Lord. If we reject the gift of life in Christ, we experience what Jesus said in John ten ten: The thief cometh not for cometh not but for to steal to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. You know, Satan is the thief. He desires to steal, kill, and destroy you. He doesn't want you to be part of the kingdom of God. He doesn't want your life to be successful and filled. But in Christ, life is more abundant. Life has meaning. Life has purpose. And we have a Lord who loves and cares for us. A couple of verses I'd like to leave with you. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And also Ephesians 3:20, Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You know, in our human way of thinking, we can't wrap our minds around the things of God that God has for us, and will do with our lives as we come to him and accept the gift of life that he has for us. And the last verse I want to leave with you is Joshua 24, verse 15. Here Joshua said to the children of Israel, "And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in which land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." So this morning I just urge you to choose life in Christ and to accept accept the gift that he offers to us, life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer our gracious eternal loving Heavenly Father we bow before you at the close of this service we thank you for your loving hand in our lives we thank you that you were willing to send your only son Jesus to this earth as a ransom for our sins I thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to do this for us and I just pray now that we would have hearts of gratitude And that we would also have hearts that would be surrendered to your will and that would accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior and allow him to be a Lord of our lives. We just pray that you would go with us from here and help us to be ambassadors for you. We just pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Ken, do you have a song? Yeah, let's sing number 133, and then after the song you can be dismissed.